This is MJ. I am uh, enjoying Captain America comics very much, and actually uh, what I'm enjoying more than that is the freedom that I feel in going from uh, comic to comic. I last uh, reviewed a, a Fantastic Four, and the next one's going to be a Fantastic Four as well. I think uh, the next issue I'm going to review should be a Fantastic Four issue two, but for now I'm just going to talk about Captain America Issue number two, which came out supposedly in April 1941, at least that's what the uh, Marvel Unlimited app tells me. So I actually watched a bit of a uh, history lesson, a, a real short one that I'm going to get into after I talk about all the fun stuff in this episode. And uh, so anyway, first I want to talk about the cover, the cover of the very outside of there's actually four Captain America stories in this. Uh, it's got you know, Hitler on it, Bucky's tied up, and Cap's there, you know, going to fight him or whatever. And then there's a splash page uh, for the second story that has uh, Bucky on his hands and knees, and he's knocking over. Um, he's there for uh, Cap to knock Hitler over, you know, like schoolyard kids would do. And that's kind of funny, and that's going to get into what I wanted to talk about uh, in this episode, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and then the last one is just, it's kind of a so-so um splash page they probably figure you were into it already uh, if you've gotten you know 38 pages or whatever in through the two stories uh, that you're going to go ahead and read the uh, you know captain american bucky versus you know the wax man issue so anyway looking at uh this book as a whole and thinking about where uh it fits in the context of actual history um i think is important uh, you may want to dismiss it as silly but i don't think you can because you got to think about the fact that these books were coming out, you know, in real time, uh, and they were, you know, basically uh, propaganda type books at this time. Uh, it wasn't Marvel Comics; it was Atlas Comics, or was it Timely? Oh crap! I think it was Timely, and then they eventually became uh, Marvel. But anyway, uh, they wanted to uh, help, you know, stoke um, support from American citizens uh, for World War II. And or you're forgetting involved in World War II, and um, that was uh, not an easy sell because World War One was very brutal. Lots and lots of Americans. I mean, lots of other people died, but this is an American comic in America, uh, propagandizing Americans to join World War Two. So it's important to note that uh, World War One was devastating, very very bad, and uh, people wouldn't want to get into it. But if you put it in I don't know what they called them. I guess just the comic strips. If you put it in, the, in a comic book, in a comic book magazine, uh, and you have a superhero running around fighting, uh, it might be inspiring. It might be encouraging. Honestly, the uh, I don't know how effective it was because eventually we did get into World War II uh, based on um, you know the Pearl Harbor bombing. And if you want to learn more about that, I suggest you check out... Um, oh, gosh. Is it... Uh, not a renegade history, although that would be interesting too. But the other book, anyway, I, I'll talk about the comic now. Um, I feel like everything in these comic books, especially the second one, really hits its stride and I think um, gels into like what you can expect from Captain America comics at this point is that it's like a really interesting and really dynamic and um, like alluring power fantasy. Uh, you've got this... U.S. agent. I think she's an agent of the government and not just a reporter. She's packing heat. Her name is Betty. I think her name is Betty Roth. Betty Ross, kind of like, you know, Betsy Ross, the lady who sewed the uh, the flag. I think it was the 13-star continental flag uh, of the, uh, you know, early United States as they were fighting against Britain. Uh, I believe that. I'm correct on that history. But anyway, you know, she's a blonde lady. 
Um, she was dressed and designed to be a beautiful character. She's like running in heels and um, she ends up getting attacked by this, you know, green Asian-y monster because I believe the axis between um, Italy, Japan, and uh, the Germans had already formed by uh, 1941. So when they were going for, you know, making these, you know, enemy characters, they decided they could use some Asian characters. I think it just calls them Oriental Giants. So, you know, for a person back at the time, uh, Oriental, that's Asian, that's Chinese, that's Thai, that's probably, you know, like anything, you know, Burmese even. Um, so much of it is, uh, you know, Oriental covers such a broad swath of humanity that at the time, uh, I think this was an easy thing to go for. Like, oh yes, we're gonna, um, you know, even Chinese, I don't know if I said Chinese, but anyway, uh, the compelling thing was like, hey, we're Americans, um, you know, the Nazis are working with uh, these Oriental folk too, and you know, they're working to undermine our, uh, our country and the strength of our government. And, you know, they're inhuman. Uh, and I think the effectiveness of the propaganda, uh, is, you know, again, I'm arguing that it's strong. I wasn't there at the time and I don't know that Captain America comics are what got us into, uh, World War II. I doubt it, but I'm sure it helped, um, for, uh, enemies of the United States to be, personified as uh, inhuman. Even uh, Mr. Han, who's this wealthy guy who's um, using the Oriental giants to, I guess, amass more money to himself, uh, you know, he's uh, kind of a stereotype too. But uh, more importantly than, like, vilifying, so I guess there's two steps for propaganda, uh, or for effective propaganda, and I do think it works. Um, me is, you know, who I am now, uh, living, you know, 78 years after the bombing of Pearl Harbor and stuff, and, you know, long after World War II had, has ended, um, like, I have a different perspective, and I can just have fun with these comics, even though, uh, like, I w might disagree with them uh, for what they are, um, at least for, you know, the subtext of, like, we should be going to war and we should be attacking these, you know, monstrous foreigners uh, who are others and who want to, uh, you know, hurt us in these, you know, deep and profound ways, but the thing I can appreciate is that they did it by creating Captain America. He instantly had Bucky as a companion and Bucky's like a, you know, 13, 15 year old boy. And, uh, it took us, I think two years to get actively involved. So somebody reading this as a 15 or 16 year old could have easily gotten in. And someone who was a 13 or 14 year old could have lied about his age and gotten into, um, you know, a draft office and signed himself up to go fight, uh, like Captain America and Bucky had. So that's pretty interesting. Um, but there's a lot of really fun elements in this. Um, you don't really get to see the cost of the war. You know, uh, mm -hmm. Bucky is like just the mascot of the uh, of the military base camp Lehigh, I think is what it's called. Um, Lehigh, I think it's Lehigh, L-E-I-L-E-H-I-G-H-I, -E -E so that should be Lehigh. Anyway, and um, Rogers is, do they, he's not a sergeant. I don't know what rank he is, but it doesn't matter. Um, the two of them... Uh, like, have fun. They just have fun uh, on the base. They have fun uh, having these adventures where they're fighting Nazi sympathizers or uh, Nazis themselves, you know, guys coming over from Germany with awful uh, stereotypical German accents that are a delight to read. Uh, and then, you know, some, uh, you know, Oriental folk too. And uh, it's very effective because it's all punchy and bright and colorful and you get silly gags like the fact that um, the two of them dress up as a grandmother and her grandson in order to go to France to track down the scientist who has been abducted by the Nazis. Like, it's such a bonker plot, uh, but 
the comic just blithely goes along with it and it's actually a lot of fun um so the ideas behind uh the comic really work well uh, i like the dynamic between cap and bucky um it's almost it almost kind of reminds me of uh like the shazam idea where it's a power fantasy about a kid becoming you know a superman um an ubermensch if you will and then you know being able to you know have these great adventures or whatever because bucky does a surprising amount of uh damage to the enemy i mean he's just a boy like maybe he's a very fit boy um but you know he's got daring and gumption and somehow uh with his you know 100 pounds 120 pounds maybe at the most he's able to you know check people like check you know full-grown men who are much larger than him and uh like kick two of them at the same time and all these different things and it like really does you know devastating damage to them even though it shouldn't because he has no superpowers and that's just kind of funny um so besides all that i love uh how many of the action scenes involve breaking panels um so like bucky flips this guy over and then he runs into him to kick him and that breaks panels um there's this beautiful shot, which is just so fun and, uh, you know, exciting, um, where Cap and Bucky both slug these uh, German, you know, these Nazi guys, or whatever. I don't know. It, it's a complicated thing. Were they Germans? Were they Nazis? Were they German Nazis? It's hard to tell, but they're definitely German guys. Anyway, um, these, you know, thugs and foot soldiers to whoever it was. Uh, I think these might have been the Waxman's friends or, you know, stooges. Anyway, uh they punch them and the guys end up cracking their heads into each other uh, as they're crumpling to the floor at, you know from the devastating blows of Captain America and Bucky and it's just a lot of fun um I actually read this over a course of a couple of days and uh I read because uh, it's you know three distinct stories and uh, I ended up reading the second story to my baby <laughs> like I just had the the comic there in front of him and it was flipping through and reading and uh you know he didn't enjoy it because he doesn't get it but uh it was like really enjoyable mm -hmm. to read it was fun to read aloud um it was fun to do the you know I don't know if they'd be considered racist or not but the German accents I've got nothing against the German Volk but it was very fun to uh you know ach dies Captain America und his pal Bucky uh like it's just it's a ton of fun um and it's it's interesting how you know all these years later uh it just gets to be something fun and but i think probably at the time it was something that was enjoyable and because it was entertaining uh it made for even more compelling propaganda but i don't want to just talk about it being propaganda um over and over again because uh, that's kind of boring it was just these were quality <laughs> comics uh, no not quality comics uh but they were good they were a lot of fun and i enjoyed uh, the different stories like some of it was wacky the stuff about the scientist getting captured was weird except for there's this one great shot of him being tied to a wooden stake and they were going to blast him with the cannon the cannon is like 10 inches from his face uh and then cap and bucky pop out of there after they've somehow diffused it and like you don't even see how they do it it's just it happens um and then there's this fun short story that's um a little bit more like a novel or like well it's a short story it's just text uh, with one image um so i forgot to see if um is it Simonson? It's Kirby, Jack Kirby, and Joe Simonson, right? 
uh, or Joe Simon. Anyway, I can't remember. Uh, I didn't check who wrote the short story, but it was very good. It was compelling. It was very pulpy. It was interesting because it gave you like an insight into how Cap was feeling, but also like what his superpowers are. Like he has really good hearing, um, you know, superhuman hearing basically. And just like his senses are heightened, even his eyes, he can see really well in the dark and things like that. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, to check out or, you know, to experience. Um, also, I get, hats off to Kirby, of course, you know, this amazing artist. He made really awesome uh, German, like, driving tanks that were like train cars almost, and they look really awesome, very imposing. Uh, and uh, that was super, super fun to watch uh, Cap and Bucky go up against, and they get inside of one, and they disarm it, and then Bucky's driving it around, and he, like, thrashes uh, the the you know, Nazi camp or the, the the German camp that these came from. That was really cool. But uh, one of my favorite images from the whole comic was uh, where Cap is um, blocking shots from the German, uh, like, super tank, I'm going to call it. Uh, and he's blocking it with the shield. And uh, just the way, like, the, the energy and the da- dynamism and, um, in the panel are really, like, awesome. Um, it made... Like, I, I called this, like, a, a anti-Nazi, you know, power fantasy. And um, it really did feel uh, good to see, good to watch. And it was, like, I don't know, like, it feels noble and heroic. And, and, and I should give the context. Camp uh, Lehigh is being attacked and, like, tents are being run over because uh, the soldiers are in tents and they're, like, being murdered by, you know, <laughs> being trampled or, or, or crushed, basically, by these vehicles. Um, and, you know, Captain Bucky, you know, they suit up real quick and then they... Uh, go to save you know their fellow soldiers and just I don't know it's like it's great heroism and it just looks so cool and it looks so good it's really inspiring um, even if I uh, you know even if you want to be critical of war propaganda like it does a really good job of it one and two uh, the, the deeds and the actions that are happening are noble and good and it's just it's just so admirable and I don't know kind of encouraging of like hey you know I should be more heroic too not that I have a big shield or superhuman strength or anything like that, but if I did, I would use them. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's all I wanted to say about the comic proper, but I did want to talk about uh, the timeline of World War II just a little bit, just touch on it briefly, because uh, I think it's important. So I found this information at Learn. Uh, actually, I don't remember the name of the YouTube channel. Sorry. It was like Mahalo something. Uh, looked like a Hawaiian guy. Um, but the video is entitled Learn History Colon A Time line of World War II. Learn history, a timeline of World War II, and if you, well, I'm not going to give you the short URL because that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'll put it on the screen, but I won't say it. Anyway, it was very interesting. It was only like three and a half minutes long, and basically, oh, I have it written down. I need to go grab my papers right now. Okay, so here's my timeline, and then uh, I'll state the timeline, and then I will uh, kind of analyze it. So 1939, Germany and Russia invade Poland together. Then in 1940, starting in April, Germany uh, invades Norway, France, Luxembourg, and Holland. Um, in May of 1940, Churchill becomes Prime Minister of Britain or England or the United Kingdom, whatever the heck you call it, because I really don't know. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he's a, he wants to be a... a um, oh gosh, he took over for Neville Chamberlain, who, like, basically wanted to roll over <laughs> to Hitler, and uh, Churchill was, you know, much more uh, willing to fight him. Uh, then in September 15th of 1941, um, there's... Like, I think it's the start of the campaign of Leningrad, which I don't know what that is. Um, but it's, you know, in Russia, I think maybe the, at that point is when Germany turned against Russia because they ended up, the Russians ended up killing a bunch of more of the um, 
the German military than like, you know, everybody else did. But a bunch of their guys died too, so interesting. Um, then December 7, 1941, just a couple months later, Pearl Harbor is bombed. Um, who was the president at the time? Was that Roosevelt? Uh, he provoked the attack. Look it up. It's true history. Uh, it's not fake news. Uh, check it out. <laughs> just something they don't like telling kids because everybody loves Teddy. Um, even though he interred a bunch of Japanese, uh, much like uh, the Orange Man is doing now. Um, anyway, uh, well, <laughs> much like he's accused of doing that, I should clarify. Anyway, uh, 1942, uh, there the, the Doolittle Raids happened. Then June 6, 1944 is uh, D-Day. That's the invasion of Normandy. A bunch of U.S. troops went there. I don't know who else. I think it was mostly an American thing, but I don't know my World War history, or World War II history that well. Um, April um, 30th of 1945, Hitler commits suicide. Uh, 19, uh, August 6th and 9th, Hiroshima and then Nagasaki are bombed. And then August 14th, the Japanese surrender. So that's five days after Nagasaki was hit. Uh, and that's called VJ Day for Victory Over Japan Day. And let's see. Uh, I believe the U.S. was not involved. See, Doolittle, I could have sworn. No, Doolittle was British. I'm pretty sure. I don't believe the United States was involved in World War II until 1943, actively, even though we were bombed in Pearl Harbor. We were bombed in Pearl Harbor for, um, well, anyway. Uh, and Captain America came out in March, uh, starting in March of 1941. So a good, you know, eight or nine months before, uh, probably nine or ten months before uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed, um, Kirby and Simon were already working on the um, on the Captain America books, uh, the character, you know, all the other you know, aspects of it, who he would fight and whatnot. Um, and uh, it was a couple of years later of, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, like I think probably in 43 is when Kirby ended up getting drafted uh, and going into World War II and he fought in Europe. So that's pretty interesting. But I mostly shared that because I just thought it would be interesting historical context. I don't think at all that Captain America got us into war, although apparently uh, Captain America sold really, really, really well. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. So I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, if you're going to look into the history of things, uh, it would, you know, be a good idea. <laughs> uh, you want to learn about the context of stuff before you just start proclaiming that, you know, Captain America would be happy with you punching, you know, Richard Spencer or whatever, because uh, that's definitely not something I believe. Um, I'm, uh, you know, one of those weird people who thinks that you shouldn't uh, defraud people, steal from people, or attack them, uh, whether that's, you know, with uh, unprovoked violence or attack their character and try to harm them. Uh, just because they don't agree with you on everything or even because they say nasty things. And uh, I think Captain America would agree with me. Um, and I, all the instances where Cap and Bucky are, you know, dealing out crazy damage and, like, vicious attacks against people, it's because people are directly, you know, attacking them and threatening their lives or the lives of other innocent people. Uh, anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up and get out of here, and I hope that you join me next time for when I talk about uh, Fantastic Four, issue number two. As I continue to explore uh, more Marvel Comics, uh, characters and books and stories, uh, and try to go through in chronological order to really capture the feel of what it would have been like to be a Marvel consumer or fan or whatever you want to call it at the time and how it changes over history. You know, I just want to like relive Marvel history basically uh, because I find so much of it compelling. And if there's stuff I don't like, I'll probably, you know, not pay too much attention to it. But so far, I'm being entertained by everything that I've read so far. 
Uh, so I'm going to keep that up. Anyway, uh, learn history, uh, a timeline of World War II. That's what you want to look up if you want to know a little bit more about what was going on, um, you know, with the publishing of these books relative to, to the U.S. involvement in World War II. Thanks for sticking with me. Check out mgmunoz.com for more of my work. I'm an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through coffee, or you can buy merch from my Redbubble store. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mgmunoz.com slash STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. If you had a good time, like and share this. Subscribe and ring that bell to catch me next time I'm Swinging Through Comics.